0: Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to
1: the heart of the city. Well, this is Heart of the City. My name is Chuck Olmstead. I'm the director of local ministries here at KGNW, and. uh, Thank you for joining me today. I love uh, sharing the stories and the testimonies of people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And every story is unique. Uh, that is what's so wonderful about our Lord, is that there's no cookie cutter with him. He is personally involved in people's lives, and uh, he takes a personal interest in you, and he works in people's lives in in incredible ways. And uh, with me today, uh, I have uh, Pastor Hyland Slobotkin. He's the pastor of Beitikva House of Hope over in Newcastle. Welcome this morning. Thanks, Chuck.
0: You actually pronounced my name correctly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, excellent. Well, uh, we've known each other for a few years. You've been on the air on kg for coming up at, uh, you're coming up on your anniversary of finishing 10 years. So on almost KG2. 11 years. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. starting your 11th year, and right. you're on at noon on Sundays. Correct. And uh, love listening to your program. Oftentimes I'm coming out of church and I'm, I'm hearing rabbi uh, at noon on, on uh, Sundays and love listening to the program. So uh, if you're hearing this today and uh, you want to get some great teaching, uh, noon on KGNW uh, every Sunday, Bektikva House of Hope. So Highland, you were on last week and you were sharing your testimony and uh, it's such a long one and such an interesting one, I said, let's, let's uh, continue this uh, today. So let's go back just briefly. You, you, were, you grew up in a, a, in a Jewish home, but not an Orthodox home, and uh, then uh, you met a girl. And we'll start there. She, Her name is...
0: Her name is Rita.
1: Rita. And and you ended up uh, dating and then getting married uh, when?
0: Correct. We got married uh, August 1968 in a synagogue in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, Congregation B'nai David Synagogue. We didn't know the Lord. We were as lost as lost could be. We were part of the hippies of the 60s, and I grew long hair and a beard, and we were doing drugs and smoking marijuana. And then we heard uh, that uh, heard from George Harrison, not personally, and Richard Alpert, who became Baba Ramdas. you don't need to do drugs anymore, you just need to do yoga and meditate. So we joined an ashram, I wore a turban, and uh, we stopped doing drugs, and we decided to go to India to find a, a guru and, and, and do the real thing. We were serious. And I mentioned this last week, but, but both of us were looking for meaning and purpose in life. And I don't know why, but a lot of people are not. They're just sort of, I know that God has placed eternity in our hearts. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, God has placed eternity in our hearts. I think that's chapter three or four there. Um, and um, so we all have that piece, but I think we we, we, we shut it down. We, we we turn it off. And a lot of people I know are just seems kind of shallow. They don't really care about eternal things, about God, about the universe, about the the answers to the questions that I wanted. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? Mm -hmm. My dad, for instance, you know, I said, Dad, what's going to happen after you die? And he said, well, let me see. Uh, mm, uh, Well, uh, the worms are going to eat my body. I said, is that it? Yep, that's about it. It's all there is to life. A very sad place to be for me. And and I got there at one point in my search for truth and i thought to myself if 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 there's not more to life i might as well just kill myself right now
1: mm-hmm.
0: why go on why torture myself here in in this life of pain and agony and and, and joys and happiness also but but do you I think
1: just, do you think any of that has to do with prosperity do you uh, think because of our sure, der- I, yeah that,
0: that that's a good question you know it's it's like why does the gospel succeed in third world countries when here in the us we've got we, it, it doesn't as well, mm-hmm. it seems. And, and the miracles that take place in third world countries, people are hungry. They have very little to work through, very little materialism and prosperity and money right. and things. So yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, um, It's one for another program because we want to hear your
1: story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: so we were looking for something. Mm-hmm. And when we were leaving for India, we had a going away party and a friend of mine said to me, so why are you doing this? And I said, doing what? He said, you've sold your cars and sold everything you've got, and you bought one-way tickets to London, and you're going to India. What for? I said, we're looking for universal truth. And he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, I have no idea. The words just rolled off my tongue. And we found truth eventually in Switzerland um, at a Christian community called La Brie. La Labri means the shelter in French. It was the French part of Switzerland run by Dr. and Mrs. Francis Schaefer, Francis and Edith Schaefer, And they had a Christian community there, Francis Schaefer, who we didn't know at the time was an author, a theologian, had been a pastor, uh, a philosopher, great speaker. And there were eight chalets that we, it was a small community of a, uh, the, the Swiss village had 200 people, 100 Swiss and 100 Libri community people that the Labrique community had eight chalets that they lived in. And we, every night, we'd have a dinner in a different chalet. So every eighth night, we got to eat with Francis Schaeffer around his table. And it was was like a college class, Mm -hmm. you know, asking questions. Any question about the Bible, about life, about... History, geography, evolution, creation, reincarnation—any religion—and Schaefer had an answer for almost everything. He was brilliant.
1: Brent, well, I, yeah. you know, I remember as a young person seeing the movie and also reading the book. How then should shall we live? Correct. That was In his cor- first, one, right? yeah, his first film. His first film, right. and of course, that was probably what late seventies that that came out. Maybe it was actually 80s. probably mid seventies. Yeah, and uh, just remember that whole time. Then. I remember it well too. Yeah, and yeah. then he wrote
0: a, an, another book called Whatever Happened to the Human Race with yes. C. Everett Koop, who was the then Surgeon General mm-hmm. of the U.S., and uh, did a film series on that one as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you shared last Sunday or l- last week about, uh, you know, how you came to faith and really a, a vision from the Lord during during a time where you, you felt like, during communion, you felt like the blood of Jesus dripping on your forehead. Share that just a little bit. Yeah,
0: right? so we had... Th- Thanksgiving dinner in 1970. We, we we arrived on November 12th to this Labri community, a Swiss, Christian community in the Swiss Alps. Um, we had just done some some snow camping up in the Alps. I got down hitchhike. A guy took us two hours out of his way to Labri, and uh, we were there for two weeks. And we had many discussions about life and religion and philosophy and and uh, and the Bible, of course, because the Bible was their their source. and And there was one guy named Oz Guinness who gently and lovingly ripped apart our Eastern philosophy, our Eastern religion, Hinduism, and, and showed us the better way. And so we were, had all of this head knowledge. And then on Thanksgiving night, uh, 1970, November 26, Dr. Schaeffer's leading in communion. And I didn't know, even know what communion was. And I'm sitting on the floor, and he's talking about Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood and body broken. And I had a vision. I didn't know it was a vision. But in my mind, I picture Jesus on the cross. I'm standing at the base of the cross. I'm looking straight up. And when I looked up, a drop of his blood came down and splashed on my forehead. And in my mind, I flinched. I, I was startled by this blood, the weight of the drop and the splashing. And then I looked up again. And it happened again, another drop. And every time I looked up, another drop. I don't know how many times I did that. Mm. It was sort of a timeless kind of a thing. Yeah. could have been... Five drops could have been twenty five drops i don 't know but and then, but the blood started to cover my forehead, and in an instant, I knew he died for me. It became all the discussion, all the philosophy, and all the because I had come i i had been in, in engineering in college you know, I had three and a half years of mechanical engineering, and I was I was, everything was analytical, had to be measured, and I I wanted to know answers, and all of the discussion we had about the prophecies in the Old Testament, and Jesus fulfilling them in the New Testament, all of a sudden became very personal, and um, I went up to my wife, and I said, Rita, you won't believe this, but I think I'm a Christian, and for a Jewish person, and she was raised Orthodox, and her parents were Holocaust survivors, so I didn't know what she would say, because Christian is like it's anathema to right. Jews. Jews don't. Most Jews think Christians hate them. By the way, mm-hmm. so we we were there was a battle going on between Jews and Christians. We were right, they were wrong. But I couldn't tell you anything else about it. And Jesus Christ was profanity in my home, growing up. Mm-hmm. So I said, Rita, I think I'm a Christian, and she said, I think I am too. And we were just amazed at each other and walked over to Dr. Schaefer said we think we're Christians, and he put us together with a lady named Sheila Bird. We called her Birdie from New Zealand. She took us to her chalet, and she prayed a sinner's prayer with us and walked us through the Romans Road and uh, accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior that night. Born again, November 26, 1970.
1: So was there a, a marked change in you personally? I know you were searching, but did you uh, did you— understand or or even in your your personality your person or language was there a change or was it just kind of a progression for you
0: well right after that we went on to israel spent a year in israel and lived on kibbutz went to an old pond which is a hebrew class studied hebrew four hours a day six days a week for about five months became fairly fluent in hebrew we're still fairly fluent in hebrew Mm -hmm. even after all these years and we wanted to read the bible in hebrew and uh, we were gone. We had been backpacking for two years. So we came back after two years and got involved in a church in Northern California, left Los Angeles, got involved in a church in Northern California, and began to grow in the Lord. And it was there that I was really discipled because mm-hmm. now we have uh, some firm foundation. We we joined this group of hippies mostly, in the Jesus movement. Yes. And there, you know, there were so many people getting saved back then. The, the Spirit of God was moving powerfully all over the world, but especially in the U.S. and really in California. There's mm-hmm. so, that's where Chuck Smith and, and Maranatha and Calvary Chapel started and the Vineyard and John Wimber and Jack Hayford and Church on the Way was just going bonkers and all these long-haired hippies were going to church. Because right. we were looking for something. We were looking for something. We were looking for meaning and purpose in life. And, and I remember the, one of the changes that took place in my life, because you asked about changes, was I stopped swearing. And I remember even thinking to myself, wow, I haven't said that word in a long time. Mm. I haven't said that word mm. in a long time. Mm. And I really, God was working inside of me and cleaning me up. I still looked the same on the outside. I had very long hair and a long beard. And, and one day God spoke to me and said, you need to, Make some change on the outside because I, re- I really changed you on the inside. But people don't know it. So one night I decided, I decided to get a haircut, but I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my wife.
1: Oh, wow. So One <laughs> night about 11 o'clock
0: at night, she's sound asleep. Uh-huh. I sneak out of bed. I go to a friend's house who's a barber. Uh-huh. And we cut my hair really short and I shave my beard. And I, what we did is we, we tied my hair off in a, pon- in a, in a braid. Uh-huh. I've got a 12-inch ponytail at home in a mailing tube that I saved it, actually. This was uh, June of 1976. And I cut it off, and we braided it, and I I got back in bed. But I hung my braid... <laughs> from a piece of thread from a <laughs> chandelier at my wife's eye height. Oh, my. <laughs> so she got up in the morning to go to work. She was teaching school at the time, and I heard this scream. She comes running back to bed, throws the covers off of me, and there I am, short hair and no beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then friends started seeing changes in me after that. They asked me why I cut my hair. I said, well, you know, God is doing a work inside of me, and he told me I needed to let people know that that it's also on the outside. And I'm a different person. Um, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. But, but the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. And that became one of my life verses. Another one is in Colossians 1 where uh, Paul says that uh, he delivered you from the domain of darkness, and that's me, and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. I was in darkness, now I'm walking in the light. First uh, uh, John 1, uh, nine and 10. If you confess your sins, or is it eight and nine, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And if you walk in the light, as He is in the, in the light, uh, you'll have uh, fellowship with the Son. You know, So I was in darkness, now I'm in the light, walking in the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, now you are the light of the world. And so my life began to change radically. I remember going in, into this church uh, in Northern California, Church of the Open Door. They loved J. Vernon McGee, mm-hmm. so they named the church after his <laughs> church. And these were a couple s- Southern Baptist seminary graduates who got filled with the Spirit and spoken tongues and joined up with some street preachers who spoke in tongues uh-huh. and we 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 so that an independent pentecostal charismatic church grew up that became the happening place all over the bay area we were the fastest growing protestant church in the bay area san francisco area and we went from one church to four churches to seven churches and god was doing amazing things and i began by walking came early one day and i uh saw they were they were passing out hymnals and every other chair I said, oh, I can do that. So I came the next week and passed out hymnals. And then I came a little earlier and they were setting the chairs up. I started setting the chairs up. And I just started serving, finding things to do. And my motivational gift is, is service. And uh, um, eventually, um, the senior pastor invited me to a leadership meeting. I said, I'll pick you up. I said, okay. So we're driving to this meeting. And I said, you know, Pastor Mark, I, I don't think I should be going to this meeting. He said, why not? I said, well, I'm not a leader. He said, well, people are beginning to look to you as a leader.
1: Hmm.
0: I said, I, I don't think so. He said, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So we go to this meeting, and they're talking about things, you know, leadership-type things I'd never even heard of before. That was sort of the beginning. I was uh, I started teaching a Bible study. Long story, horrible in the beginning. God's grace was sufficient. I was licensed to the ministry in 1978, ordained in 1980, and been full-time since 1982. Fast forward, I helped start a church in Northern California with 40 people, Grew to about four or 500, moved to Phoenix, Arizona in 86, uh, church was 19 people. Ten years later, we were over 800, and then we moved up here to Seattle in 1996, 20 years ago, uh, to take over this Messianic Jewish four-square congregation in Bellevue named Congregation Emmaus. We moved to Newcastle in 2001. I'm, this is, I'm fast-forwarding here. Sure, 2001, sure. we bought a piece of property in Newcastle. Uh, we've been there for, for about 15 years now. We've grown. We're about 300 people. We have uh, great, some great families and great ministries going on, and God has been really faithful to us. Yeah. So now I'm a Messianic rabbi. I went from pastor to rabbi. Some people actually call me rabbi, some call me pastor, and some call me the rabster.
1: The rabster. Which I kind of like. <laughs> <Thank> it's cute. <laughs> Well we're we're talking to uh today with Hyland Slobotkin, who is the pastor rabbi at uh that Tikva House of Hope here in Newcastle Washington on Heart of the City here today. Well, talk to me about what the uniqueness is of being in a in a messianic congregation, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, Don't really have a minute or two well, minutes or we, what? No, we we've got about uh, seven minutes. Okay, so we're good. So, you know, for one thing, you meet on Saturdays, correct? So, t- talk to me about why you do that, and and then just what your service is like, and how that may be different than what someone else may experience in a Baptist church in in Everett.
0: Great question. Um, so, I would begin by suggesting a book. Uh, which will answer a lot of these questions. It's called The Messianic Church Arising by Robert Heidler. Dr. Robert Heidler, H-E-I-D-L-E-R, The Messianic Church Arising. And uh, he wrote it in 2006. I just got it recently and just finished it. And it's like it describes us. It describes the Messianic Church. We call it the Messianic Congregation. And uh, um, basically, the church, before it was even called church, it was just... Believers meeting in, in synagogues and, and in homes in, 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 the, in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending on which historian you, you speak with, Acts chapter 10 was when the first Gentile recorded is saved, Cornelius and his household. Well, from Acts 1 or Acts 2 to Acts 10, depending, again, who you speak with, anywhere from 10 to 27 years. So the early church, before even Acts 15, was all Jewish. There were a few Gentiles they called them God-fearers like Cornelius, and they joined the, the, the Jewish community, basically. So there were some Jewish believers, some Pharisaic believers, who thought you had to become Jewish to be, believe in Jesus, whose name was Yeshua. By the way, we like saying Yeshua because Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name, and in Hebrew it means salvation. So if I'm witnessing to an Israeli, and I'm talking about Yeshua, they might stop me and say, now wait a minute, you mean your Messiah's name is salvation? And it's like a light will go off. So yes, now you're beginning to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot, I love Yeshua, because in Matthew 1, uh, the angel came to Joseph and said, your, your wife Mary will bear a son, and you will name him Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. Le-ho-shi- lehoshua is, is, the, is the verb to save. also sounds like Joshua, mm-hmm. Yehoshua. Anyway, so... Um, We meet on Saturdays. Like you said, it's a Sabbath day. Friday night to Saturday night is a Sabbath day. It's the calendar that God invented, and uh, uh, so we believe that's a pretty good calendar. We actually, most Westerners, most of the world, uses what's known as the Gregorian calendar or the Roman calendar, or some even call it the pagan calendar. Uh, God gave this other calendar based on the, the moon, the lunar calendar. Then there's a solar calendar that came in later that was actually um, around the god called Mithras, which was a Persian god uh, picked up by Constantine in the 3rd century, and he actually worshipped Mithras and changed uh, a lot of things. The church began to be—a lot of Gentiles got saved after Cornelius, and in the 4th century, the fourth century around the Council of Nicaea, Constantine became the emperor of Rome, and he became a Christian. So, we think. A lot of things he did were very anti-Christian, and he was very anti-Semitic. He hated the Jews, and he forbid Jewish people to worship on the Sabbath, forbid them to keep the Torah, and all kinds of other things. Circumcision, couldn't have bat mitzvahs or bar mitzvahs. And uh, the Church took a radical change away from its Jewish roots and then be, then entered into a thousand years of darkness, it became the the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, when Rome fell, the church picked up the political and, and the governmental role and became very corrupt. A lot of us know about the church. The, the, the Roman Catholic Church was corrupt, indulgences, uh, perversion, um, purgatory began in those days. Uh, just a lot of things were going on in the church that made it horrible, and they, they killed Jewish villagers. During the Crusades, when they were coming to to Israel to free the Promised Land from the infidels, they on the way through Europe they they destroyed Jewish villages, just slaughtered Jews. It's horrible stuff. So most Jews think that Christians hate them, and uh, so part of what we're doing is we're restoring the Jewishness of the gospel. Jesus was a Jew. All the apostles were Jewish. In fact, the whole Bible, except maybe Luke, although he would have been a prophet like to Judaism, were written by Jews in a Jewish context, taking place in Israel. Ephesians 2, Paul says that Gentiles um, and Jews are one new man, citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. And in Ephesians 3, Paul says that the mystery that's been hidden for long ages past is that Gentiles are now co-heirs with with Jews, mm-hmm. with, with Israel. So, this is a piece that we're coming back to, and then um, we're celebrating on the Sabbath, we're celebrating the festivals that God appointed Passover, Pentecost, um, and then the fall festival. Because we believe the, the spring festivals have been fulfilled in Jesus. The fall festivals are going to be fulfilled when he comes again, and he is coming back.
1: Amen. Amen. So,
0: I know that's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Let's direct people to to my program on KGNW. Yes,
1: Yes, let's do that. You're you're on KGNW at? Sundays at 12 noon. At twelve noon, right, and um, and give me some contact information and maybe website because I know there are people that are listening right now that this is a new concept for them. They they haven't heard about Messianic congregations. They don't know anything about it. They may have some interest in it. They want to investigate it. They may want to call you or email you. So give us some contact.
0: So our our website is baittikva.us and B E I T bait B E I T T I K. V A H Tikva means House of Hope beitikva.us or if you can't get that you just go to Google and do messianic Newcastle or messianic Seattle and you'll find beitikva House of Hope beitikva.us and there you'll get our our history and our staff and our here here's some sermons you can do video you can also live stream our services every Saturday morning at 10:30 a.m.
1: Yeah. Well, Highland, I, I thank you for s- spending this time with me, for sharing your testimony, because it reminds me, uh, you, you gave your, your life verses earlier on in the program. My life verse is f- from Psalms 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And Amen. I have to say that as we share these stories of, of leaders in our community, of pastors I'm, I'm constantly reminded of the faithfulness of God. God. God is in our story. God is in our lives. He is wanting to work in your life uh, so that he can have uh, his glory revealed through you, and he's done it through his son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. Uh, join us again next week as we share another story of his faithfulness. God bless.
0: You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com.